With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jose has officially left the building. That's the bad news. But the good news, guys, is we are back. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, and I'm joined by my very good friend... Adam! Hey, Rory. I am in a rather cold UK at the moment. Minus seven where I am right now. So uh, I am fleecing my inter top now. <laughs> a bit more warm. Looking very fine in it, my, my usual football shirts, but thank you very much. But... More importantly, mate, how are things in Milan and how are you? Yeah, not bad, man, not bad. It's cold, but it's not that cold. Um, Milan is the most Milanese Milan ever, very grey at the moment, but it's all good, it's all good. Still enjoying uh, AFCON, still trying to keep up with the transfer market. There's lots to do, big weekend coming up. Um, And of course, big stories during this week, as alluded to in the intro a mere seconds ago. Um, Jose has been fired from AS Roma. He's been politely asked to leave, and he has. Um, we, will, we, will, we will be talking about the fallout from that, who is replacing him, what Roma fans should expect for the rest of the season, and who their long-term target should be, according to us. Um, and all the fallout from the great man leaving the Eternal City. Elsewhere, we'll be talking about the Supercoppa. We'll be talking about Vlavic at Ju- Juventus. Um, we'll squeeze in a little bit of English football uh talking about the transfer window and of course the calcio mercato uh in Serie A and talking about who's going where and what we can expect before finishing with our new ish tiki taka toe quiz at the end to see who can win between me and Adam Adam are, are, we, are we ready to go let's do this let's do it Welcome back, and it is time to talk all the football news and action from the midweek, and there's only one place to start. We are starting in the eternal city of Rome, as the news broke this week that Jose Mourinho has been relieved of his duties. Some people were more surprised than others. I don't know if anyone was really shocked. Obviously, form for Roma has been 
off and on. Um, the record in the Derby della Capitale mm. was well publicised. And winning a mere four games out of 29 um, against the top seven teams kind of tells you everything you need to know about the form and the situation that the team were in uh, under Mourinho. But I think this only really touches on a tiny, tiny part of mm. the rich tapestry that is Roma <laughs> fans' um, relationship with Mourinho and the context around it. But if we talk strictly on the pitch before we talk about all the kind of sure. outside noise, Adam, are you surprised this decision was made? And are you surprised it was made now? I was slightly surprised by the timing, just purely because I thought they were going to give him his due to the end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But you could see that the writing was on the wall. The kind of, you know, that kind of fandom for Mourinho had started to break off in the last few games. There was already kind of TIFOs and all sorts of murals kind of graffitied over recently with uh, words that kind of depicted this kind of mm-hmm. image that maybe the fans aren't completely behind the projects of Mourinho. Um, they started to see that it wasn't quite delivering on what, the probably the expectations he'd set over the last few seasons. And don't forget, I think it depends on what your expectation of Mourinho was from the very beginning. And I think he gave Roma a lot of hope, the fan base. I mean, if you look at the crowds that have continuously come to the Stadio Olimpico, I've never seen it that full mm. in ages. Like we're, we're talking almost probably early 90s. It's probably when I've last yeah. time remember Decades. it being that kind of full. So for it kind of to reignite that buzz with Mourinho was fascinating to watch personally, but from a purely tactical, and if you're talking about the game as well, it it failed to deliver, I suppose, in many respects, because we probably as a neutral expected there to be a lot more of this style of football. But for Roma, I think he instilled kind of a confidence that this was going to evolve over time. And I don't think it Mm -hmm. necessarily did. I think he did some cheap shots to players that he felt weren't giving their all. I mean, remember last season and even this season, if we take just the example of Chris Smalling saying that he wouldn't play through the pain barrier and Chris Smalling since come out after Jose's left and said, you know, I, I took advice from the club around how I should yeah, yeah. protect myself. And they said, I under no circumstances should I be playing, you know? So, Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, Jose was kind of lacking the kind of ideas of w- what he could do next. Um, I'm not entirely surprised overall, um, but I think I was just more overall surprised that the Fredkins, the owners of Roma, decided to pull the trigger this soon, given that mm-hmm. Tiago Pinto is also leaving at the end of this month as well. So they've now got no football director at the helm, which means they're pretty much back to square one. They, they are I think, literally at that step. And I think we'll talk about the other elements in a minute. But, mm-hmm. I mean, for you, tactically, I mean, did you think Mourinho actually helped Moromo? Or did he evolve them? Did he make them better? I think he was playing the old hits. And the old mm. hits have less impact the more you play them, yeah. right? The first time you hear Mr. Brightside, it's a banger. <laughs> the thousandth time you hear it, maybe you're sick of it, right? I feel like the, the he was playing the old hits like he's done at every club. And it's just getting less and less effective. And I think this Roma team is really interesting because they became the absolute personification of uh, Jose Mourinho. So like turned Mm. up to 11. I think everything was complaining about every decision. Um, I think it was, was it 
16 red cards on the bench since he's taken over, like from him and his mm. coaching staff yeah. and the physio and the kit man and whoever else. I think he had four red cards, which is more than any player under his tenure at the club. Like, the, but the players on the pitch became that as well. And they became super cynical, super like Mancini, especially becoming the, the totem pole, like figurehead of that as well. So I think, uh, nothing that Mourinho did surprised me. I thought it would be more effective. Mm. And I think he's actually a penalty shootout away from the narrative being very, very, very different about <laughs> yeah. his reign. That's like, the irony. Within all of this, we have to remember that, yes, like Fonseca, who was chased out of the club, finished sixth and sixth. He's about to finish eighth and they're currently ninth, ninth right? Yeah. Like, so, yes, the, 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 the league form has been terrible, and just simply not good enough. They have the third highest wage budget yeah. in the league, right yeah. behind Inter and Juve. Like they should be doing, they're spending less money than Napoli and Milan, right? Uh, more money than Napoli and Milan, right? They should be doing better. But we also have to remember that if it wasn't the aura that is Sevilla and the Europa League, yeah. they probably go back to back European trophies. Mm-hmm. Um, Roma fans would tell you that if it wasn't for Anthony Taylor, they would have won <laughs> yeah. that final because there was the handball that I still think. They have a point. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it was a penalty. So, like, there's this really interesting sliding doors moment in his reign that just defines the whole thing. Because since that final, you have to get a good start then. If, if you've got two European trophies in the pocket, you can maybe have a season off and concentrate. You've got them in the Champions League. Yeah. Job done, right? You can, like, maybe... You, you'll be allowed to get away with a little bit more. But since that didn't happen, that's not happened... And I think, yeah, tactically, there just wasn't that. He he also wasn't getting enough out of the players that they do have. Yeah. Because 100%. if you look at the front line now, okay, Dybala isn't always fit, mm-hmm. right? And Lukaku isn't always firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And Spinazzola isn't always fit. And But you knew about Dybala when you signed him that he's yeah. he will only pay, play 20 games a season if... Mm it's a good season right Lukaku you know is hit and miss Spinazzola you know misses games like you have to be able to prepare and get around this right and I think what Mourinho had a point with is that you know Roma over the last two years have spent less than Verona right but in his first season they spent over I think it was knocking on 200 million right they spent a lot a lot of money and that's why they can't spend any money now so this whole thing is like Mourinho has a point but then also he wasn't doing well enough so he couldn't bring in the players that he wanted to bring in but he did bring in players on massive wages that Mm -hmm. wouldn't have come to Roma if it wasn't for him I think it's fair to say say, but then he wasn't getting enough out of them on the pitch the, the the thing with Chris Small in is just fucking classic Mourinho. It's just classic it is, Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. The way he's treated Renato Sanchez again. If you bring in Renato Sanchez, you know you're gonna have to like really wrap that guy in cotton wool yeah. and really look Arm after him and make him feel like the yeah. main guy and make it all about him because he's such a talented player, but obviously quite a volatile character. Yeah. And I think Mourinho's just handled it horrifically, and it's just. I feel like the game maybe is moving on in terms of his man management style. And like Wenger didn't change and like lots of managers don't change and it stops working. I think that's kind of what's happened with Mourinho. It'll be really interesting Mm. to see where he goes now. I think the Roma job, I saw a lot of like takes um, to his Instagram post and his social media of like, oh, classic Mourinho, like crocodile tears, like you can't trust. 
I genuinely think this job meant a lot I to him. I think yeah. he really fell in love with the city. I think he fell in love with the fans and the fans really fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to put it within the context of like Roma have only ever won three Scudetti, right? There's only been two teams in the South or three teams in the South of Italy that have ever won the Scudetti yeah. off the top of my head. There's Napoli, Roma and Lazio, right? It's absolutely dominated by Inter Milan and Juve, right? The North mm-hmm. of Italy. Yeah. And the Roma fans and Lazio fans, but they see themselves as against... They're like the underdog, yeah. right? Yeah, they're the underdog they in their own country, despite the fact they're from the capital. <laughs> and I think Mourinho, there's very few managers that are, be- that are better or are more willing to um, engender the atmosphere of like, we are the underdog, us versus course, them. yeah. And I think the players, the fans really, really bought into it. So I think yeah. there's a lot of Roma fans that were willing to forgive quite a lot mm-hmm. for to have Mourinho. But yeah. the, the the graffiti that you alluded to at the beginning, they I can't remember what it was in Italian. My Italian isn't that great yet. But it basically the translation was it's okay to lose, but there's um, yes, it's shameful to die without fighting yeah. and it was the term like, like it was kind of alluding to their hearts, something like that yeah, yeah exactly like their performances <laughs> against lazio and yeah. against the well against lazio really but also yeah. against the bigger teams um but adam do you like did you believe do you believe that Mourinho saw this job as different because i really think yeah. he saw it as somewhere he could build something i think there was two kind of trajectories in here where Mourinho was kind of really struggling to get that kind of elite club anymore look you know no disrespect to Spurs but after that kind of period you know there wasn't many clubs that were clambering on and saying we want Jose as our next manager Mm -hmm. right so he was on that kind of trajectory and then you had Roma on the opposite side that were looking or clamoring for someone of a higher caliber to manage them and you know potentially attract those kind of talents to come back to Roma and turn them back to the kind of, you know, that team that used to inspire their fans, you know, and for generations, you know, I think they were the perfect match in some respects when they first Mm -hmm. came together. And I think the signs were very promising in that first season, right? He didn't get everything right. And, you know, yes, that kind of building of the team, which I think... it's a bit harsh on Marina because I don't think he necessarily vetoed all of those signings. Like, for example, Shmuradov, who is mm-hmm. Tiago Pinto has admitted that was his kind of failing there because he thought he would be the next best thing. And they spent 30 million on him from Spezia at the time. And that, in the high insight and grand work. scheme of things, of what he delivered wasn't great, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. and he didn't actually feel that Marino actually fancied him as well so there was players like that that was a good example where that wasn't necessarily a blame towards Mourinho I think where you can kind of start pointing the finger at Mourinho is certain results like we've talked about that the fact that they haven't done well against those top sides in Serie A you know four wins in those 29 appearances I mean that is isn't great I mean obviously what killed him initially really was that performance against Lazio in the Coppa Italia Mm -hmm. There was that performance, but if you combine that with the amount of times that he's had an opportunity against Lazio and Sari, even with those digs that he gave at Sari and Lazio, 
they still came out on trumps, you know, Lazio every time dominated those games, you know, and I think for Roma fans, that was just too much. They couldn't withstand any more of that as well. So, yeah, it, it, when you look at the grand scheme of things, I think Mourinho's tenure will be looked at as what was potentially could, could have been really promising, I think. And like you rightly allude to, if that game against Sevilla goes a different way, then they're in a Champions League. Then they get the revenue. Then they are able to attract those talents that potentially turn the club and maybe turn the season. And again, you might be looking at this season in a very different light to what we're actually seeing right now. Um, but the fact of this window kind of paints that picture. Look, he tried to kind of persuade the likes of Bonucci to join the club, but the club vetoed it because they've got no money now. And they had to yeah. persuade Dean Heisen to cancel his agreed loan with Frosinone to jump ship and go to Roma. Now, that was hard work because actually it required Mourinho to persuade Gintoli at Juventus to actually like cancel that mm-hmm. agreement with Frosinone. You know, Frosinone, they had a good agreement with Juventus in that respect. So they have a for relationship. Him to turn it around, yeah, yeah. you know, that is something. Um, but it goes to kind of show you, I think there's other players that we could point the picture and point the finger and say, you know, did they actually play hard enough or well enough for Marino? Like Bellotti, for example. Good example of a player that came in with a lot of hype, but has failed to deliver now. You could mm-hmm. sense that Marino gave him a lot of trust, but I don't think it got repaid. Rio Procicio is another example where he came out after the sacking and said, you know, if it wasn't for Jose sticking by me, even through those tough times, I don't think I'd still be here, which is kind of recognition of his kind of performances there. But he's another example where they spent $11.9 million on the player when he was entering the last year of his contracts at Wolves. Yeah. So again, just financially, that deal was just poorly managed from a Roma perspective. Mm. And goes to show maybe Fredkins, they've kind of realised that basically what they need to do is get football people into that kind of environment and potentially change it up. And I think we probably have to allude to where does that kind of leave us now? Because Daniele De Rossi is in the helm now. Now that's a fan's favourite. But I'm gonna, I, there's a big part of me that loves it. There's I'm going to pose you that, that question, it, though. Do you think this is deflecting from the real issues that Roma have at the moment? Oh, like, look, it's they know that they're sacking a manager who is largely still, largely, uh, is still popular amongst the fan base, yeah, yeah, right? So they know that there's going to be negative um, kind of splashback uh, from this. Yeah. But... So how do you do that? You get an easy PR win, right? And you go, okay, let's just get... Totti isn't a coach, but let's get... Sorry, De Rossi, but the next best thing, yeah. right? Il Capitano Futuro, right? Il Capitano Futuro. And get him in and, you know, the fans will instantly give him more patience if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, which is true. And I think mm-hmm. in the situation now, as it is, I think he's probably the best choice. You're not going to go out and get a manager who is... Um, you're not going to go and buy a contract halfway through a season during a transfer window, get a man. It's going to cost you a fortune. You're not going to be able to get, like, it would just be a mess. The managers out there, like we're going to talk about and probably, but Eagle Tudor, stuff like that, that mm-hmm. it might take a long time to negotiate. You've got to like, there's no interim and you need an interim yeah. for these negotiations to take place. So I think you might as well just go, right, De Rossi, get him in. He knows the club. He'll at least get a bit of passion mm. and, you know, all that going and like show the players what this means. And maybe there'll be a bit of a like, 
uptick in form and it'll keep sure. people coming to the ground. And I think it kind of, it's a plaster over a wound, right? Um, but I also think they've timed it because Tiago Pinto is going um, in February. I think mm. they've sacked him now almost because of that, because they can now line up and go, right, we need a director of football or whatever you want to call him, um, a director of football and a manager who have a relationship, who can work well together, yeah. who have a same philosophy, who like, and I think it's, almost like look we'll talk about what we think the rest of the season will be but i think maybe it could be in the long term this could be a moment where you go ah okay they planned it really well hmm. like they just lined everything up for the next manager like city did with pep like yeah. arsenal yeah. did with arteta whatever lining things up so that when they arrive it's a bit of a more smoother transition. There's another thing that needs to be said as well with de rossi and i didn't realize this um but i was bored scrolling through their transfer marked and stuff daniele de rossi's dad is the head of the academy oh um or okay. he's a coach at the academy right. um so he obviously knows what's going on at Tigoria and uh in the youth system and in the yeah. primavera and stuff right so he has a very close relationship there roma this year one thing you can say about Mourinho for the first time is that he's kind of played young players, yeah. right? He's yeah. brought in a lot of like, especially in the European competitions, he's given a lot of debuts. He's really pushed uh, Borve forward yes. and used him a lot. And like, there's yeah. a lot of young players he's used, right? So maybe Roma, with the lack of money and the FFP and whatever else, maybe they are looking to lean on the Primavera a little bit more. They've got a very good youth system, Roma. They I think do, they've yeah, always yeah. had a good youth system. So maybe they're looking to do that. And maybe like... You can imagine De Rossi has probably spoken to his dad about the players at the academy at yeah, some yeah. point, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I think you could also be bringing in a manager that is going to get a lot of patience and therefore there'll be more patience when he's bringing in young players who also get patience. Um, and maybe there's like, it could be a very well-managed thing. But that being said, I'm not sure what the results will be like on the pitch. Because when De Rossi was a manager at Spal, he won three games, four games out of Something 19. Like that, yeah. um, really not a great um, record. His big idea was to bring in Rajan Angolan. <laughs> yeah. That obviously didn't work. Um, like, which just sounds like a massive piss up in Spal. By the way, he is available on free transfer right now. So it would not surprise me if he suddenly turned. Bring him home. <laughs> bring him home. He was, oh, prime Nangolan at Roma was incredible. Um, but. Adam, what do you think of the De Rossi appointment? And do you think, where do you think the season will take them now? Uh, I mean, look, this was always a fan pleaser. This was always the intention, wasn't it? It was to deflect from the Mourinho hype that would have happened, you know, the noise that was going to happen, to now kind of appeasing them to get someone that is more on par with the fans kind of vision that they want someone that will fight and, you know, showed their squad. What is the Roma way as they would probably mm -hmm. say in their words, but this is nothing more than a stopgap. It's nothing that the Fredkins lose out because technically here they've given them the job till the end of the season. Now there are a few stipulations in terms of what he can achieve this year, which might trigger an extension in terms of his contract, which would be fascinating to see. But I imagine one of those stipulations is get into the top four, get into European mm -hmm. places, which I think is going to be quite hard work for this squad, given what we've been talking about, the kind of way that the team has been playing. 
And um, I don't think it necessarily, you know, with Mourinho and his kind of band of coaches now gone, I think that's a difficult task for De Rossi. He has to bring people that he trusts now to help him out. And I think that's going to be a difficult one. Uh, he has got experience with the Italian national side as well. We have to kind of put that out there as well. So potentially there might be, you know, Mancini's men that might be available mm-hmm. around the scene as well. Um, but yeah, I just think with that squad as well, they've underachieved. You're going to get someone that will potentially give them a bit of like hope. And, you know, they might get one or two results that they're maybe expected to do. Um but on the grand scheme of things, I don't think they've got enough within the team because I think they have, when you look at the balance of their quality of the team, yes, there is some individuals that are very good, but as a team, they don't play very well at the moment. I don't think they've got a good system. And you've got not cases like Mancini at the back as well, who constantly get yellow cards and red cards. It really doesn't help your cause. So it'll be interesting to see if he tones down that kind of determination in the game as well, because I think that's always been the flare up in terms of some of the games that they've lost. For example, they've lost because they haven't had personnel on the pitch, for example. And I think that, that element will be interesting to read as well. But Mm -hmm. I I think long-term look, Fredkins is probably looking at, we need, like you say, someone that's got the philosophy to potentially change their fortunes because I think they probably have to look at the work likes of maybe Sassuolo and see their model of like look we get these talents nurture them and then sell them off at like a profit for example that's potentially the model that maybe Roma have to do for say three seasons before they can then themselves achieve those kind of levels where they can then again maybe go for the title or maybe just be in the top four consistently remember those days when they were with Luciano Spalletti and co you know they were always in that top four mix and I think that's probably what they need to do but from a financial point of view they're not going to get to that at the moment when you look at the assets that they've got Lukaku will be gone in the summer so that's already one asset that not really yours either um Dybala's kind of um trigger in terms of his clause of 13 million has expired so it means that clubs outside of Serie A no longer have that opportunity to sign him and are cheap which I was surprised at but also I think that gives them the ability to maybe recoup some funds if they decide to sell him in the summer and I think that probably would be wise of them to do uh, if they get mm-hmm. that kind of sum is another they're... question He's like by far their best player, but he's just not on the pitch enough, is he? He's but that's not that's my point, enough, isn't it? it? Why yeah. why keep him if you can see he's not there half the time? I think that's the reason why Juventus got rid of him as well. Because yeah, he was I think like there. he's a great player to have as an option. I don't know if he should be your best player, if you know. Yeah, what I mean. um, exactly. But for De Rossi, the blessing is that the the fixtures coming up are quite mm-hmm. kind. Yes. So they have Verona at home, Salernitana away, Cagliari at home, and then. They have Inter at home where it gets, starts to get a little bit more difficult. But then the Europa League, Feyenoord, that yeah, yeah. weird cross-country derby that it's turned <laughs> yeah. into now. Then Frosinone away, Torino at home, Monza away. Like they don't, apart from the Inter game, they don't play any of the big boys yeah, for a while. So I think this could be a really good chance for Daniele to get a bit of confidence back into the squad. I can also see on Google they've got a random friendly against Al-Shabaab. I don't know why that is, but anyway... <laughs> Um, January the 24th if you're interested guys wow. um, but that's a bit odd anyway um, but yeah some decent friendly some decent friendlies and yeah. some easy games for De Rossi 
um, easier games for De Rossi. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, but yes, good. The owners, the owners, we need to talk about the owners, I suppose. Um, yeah. Do we think... Now, obviously, they seem quite proactive and mm-hmm. they seem like they really are... They really want to do well with Roma here, right? They really, yeah, I think, they like they're not ambitions. just like outside yeah. investors. They're watching games and they're like very, very proactive. Yeah. Are they another American consortium that just needs a bit more kind of expertise? Like, do you think? Yeah. Where do you think they're going wrong? Because the Mourinho appointment was a good one, I think. Like the idea, it was there. He was open. Yeah. Like, do you think they just need a bit more expertise on board or? Look, they were ambitious when they first came in, into the club. You know, they had plans for a new stadium for Roma. They also brought in <laughs> Tiago Pinto, who came... That's been the last 40 years yeah. as well. But Tiago Pinto came <laughs> with a big hype from Benfica for the mm. amount of talents that he was able to nurture through their kind of academy, but also kind of buy and sell. That was the philosophy of Benfica, mm. right? So they po- poached him uh, with that kind of vision of doing the same with Roma. And it hasn't transitioned. So, you know, they had the best intentions, but it hasn't transitioned. Now, Mourinho, I think, was always going to be on the clash with Thiago Pinto because they probably, although they probably speak the same language, they probably don't have the same philosophies in terms of what they were going to do with personnel. Now, I think, obviously, the good example is Shmorodov, who obviously Mm -hmm. looks like a talent when he was at Spezia. Now, for him to then not have a chance at all under Mourinho probably didn't help his development and to that point you know maybe it highlighted the flaws in getting Shmuradov at that age as well where actually maybe he would have benefited with another season at Spezia or someone like that akin to be honest Um, but I think that that was the problem that was always going to be an issue and they overinflated a lot of those fees as you allude to as well third highest in terms of wage structure in the league and you think for the amount that they spent what is it in terms of performances they've got out of those players? And you can, can kind of maybe argue the one or two exceptions there, like the likes of Dybala. When he comes on, he is mm-hmm. quality. But the rest of the team, you probably have to question it as well. So, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot that they need to learn from this experience. Um, but this is why I probably hint at maybe they need to look at the likes of Sassuolo and look at those kind of personnel and think... Yeah is that the right kind of personnel that we want right now? Is that going to help us in the financial point of view, but also to help kind of structure that club going forward as well? Because you need people that know mm-hmm. what they're doing, but potentially know the contacts to those kind of lower teams as well to kind of pick up those bargain buys as well. Because I think that's potentially what they need as well. They need to find what they want to achieve as an identity for that mm-hmm. club going forward. Now, if it decide, they decide to go down this youth team route, that's fine. But then I think you've got to expect that the coach has got to be given at least three or four years to help that group yeah. as well. So I yeah. think they've got to get a project manager in. And right, I, I've said it, you've said it, Igor Tudor seems to fit the build for me. But I well, mean, let's play the let's try not to say Tiago Motta too soon game. <laughs> but who do we think Roma should be targeting in the long term? Now, my knowledge of directors of football, as wide as I play FM, I can't go suggesting directors of football just yet. Um, but for managers, 
Is there anyone beyond Thiago Motta that we think could be an interesting appointment for Roma? I'm going to throw out the name Conceição from Porto. Okay, yeah, that's good shout. I would. I think it, it would though. be an it would be an upwards move. He has. Yeah. Sorry, Porto, but I think it would be. Um, he's got European experience. He's got experience of Serie A. His teams play incredible football. They've been doing very well in um, Le- well, been doing well in Liga Nosh and in in Europe. I think he's a very exciting coach. I think he's someone that Roma could definitely go out and get. Um, do you have any names beyond Thiago Motta? Well, I might trump you on this, but Ruben Amarin at Sporting Lisbon Ooh. is a really hot prospect. I think he's mm. someone that would really bring a different style of football to Roma. And given time, again, I think he could deliver wonders for Roma in terms of that rejuvenation, bring them back to kind of playing again. So he's another option that we could tout and say, would Roma go that deep? Would they try and prize him away from sporting? Because I think he's always been kind of seen as the next top best level coach. And it would be very fascinating to see him kind of perform maybe in one more league, maybe a higher league like Serie A no disrespect to the Premier League in Portugal, but I would potentially say Serie A is slightly above it in terms of the calibre of teams that you've got in there. And then, yeah, who knows? I mean, would Hansi Flick consider it? Would, say, Antonio Conte? Because apparently the quotes Um, in the press were he fancies his time potentially being at Roma one time at least as a coach. They have no money, Antonio. How are you <laughs> going to... I know we were, start, we were starting the rumours, but yeah, I, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. My only other shout, and if Roma really want to go like wild card outside, yeah. let's really try something fun. Get Fernando Diniz from Fluminense. Oh. That manager, he won them the first ever Copa Libertadores. The football they play is out of this world. His tactics are like meta brain, like incredible stuff to watch. I think he could be, he needs to be approached by a European club at some point. <laughs> and I think when he comes to Europe, he will be a a good, good manager. I'm not going to say great, but a no, good no. manager. And I think Roma could have an opportunity there to get someone and really try something fun. But I'll, we're not sure what the what the owners are like. If you go for Mourinho, you kind of want established, right? I think they might want to go yeah. established. Yeah, possibly. And then this w- is my final suggestion on this: Marcelo Bielsa. Oh, it's it's a very idiosyncratic job. Yes. It would be right up his street. It would, it would wouldn't be it? Right up his I street. think the environment would suit him. It would be like you know, fans would love his football, right? And I think he would just instill something different at Roma. And give him the right kind of material, shall we say, the right buckets on the sidelines. He could deliver, right? He could deliver. I'd be fascinated. Be, didn't he leave Lazio after like two days? Was that him? <laughs> I can't remember if it was him. Yeah, he it was Lazio. He agreed the job and then left instantly. So he would absolutely. <laughs> so they already in, must have seen already yeah, with Roma. Yeah. Roma fans would already love him. I think that's uh, we're constantly trying to tout Pielsa for his next job. Maybe he just wants to sit with his feet up and look at spreadsheets. I don't know, but <laughs> we will like. Hopefully, we'll see him in the game again soon. Um, but of course, Roma. I think the rumours have kind of been going for a while that a lot of Serie A clubs are waiting till the end of the season yeah. so they can approach Thiago Motta. If they approach Thiago Motta, do you think they have a realistic chance? Because I think it looks like Inter are going to... It looks like Inter could do something big this year. So Inzaghi yes. 
will be in his job. Um, I don't think Allegri's going anywhere at the moment. Um, maybe purely, maybe Milan make, a, make an approach, but do you think Roma would have a realistic shout? I think there is definitely a good shout for Thiago Motta being at Bologna, given the context of, like you've said, there's probably very little chance of him going into the Inter role. I don't really see him being a Juventus boss, although a lot of Juventus fans really do fancy that prospect. We don't know what's going to happen with Pioli, for example, at Milan. So I think this would be a great step for him to progress in terms of his abilities as well. Because I think, don't forget, a lot of these teams are going to have second guesses on whether he can maybe manage at that top level. And this will give him the perfect opportunity to showcase what he can actually do when he's at a so-called bigger team, Rory. I think that would be such mm-hmm. a huge opportunity. And again, he he's probably learned a lot in his time at Bologna because don't forget when he came into the role, he wasn't really fancied by Bologna either or mainly the fan base anyway. So I think he's turned a lot of perceptions. His style of football is definitely enticing to Roma fans as well. So you can imagine what he could do with that squad as well because they are quite raw in some respects. Mm-hmm. They've got that determination to fight under Mourinho, but actually... I think Thiago Motta gets them a bit more. He can make them a bit more skillful. And again, I think if you look at the kind of transfer market, he's been able to attract really good, talented players as well. So, you know, could he pull some of those players across from Bologna to Roma? I mean, mm-hmm. Lewis Ferguson would be a fantastic addition to that midfield, for example. Xerxes up front. Can you imagine that? Or, yeah. You know, they've got so Orsolini. many players. Get Orsolini, Orsolini. and he's the best oh. one. That'll be fascinating. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's some huge opportunities there. I think Thiago Motta would be a great fit. And they just need to get the right director of football in that place as well. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, maybe steal the director of football from Bologna as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Give him a big package, see what happens. But you know what? Bologna could realistically finish above Roma. So it could actually be <laughs> Thiago Motta choosing to not be in Europe if he did take the job. But it'll be interesting to see where Roma go from here. I think we've explored all avenues there. So we're going to so. take a very quick break before we do a very, very quick review of the midweek football. We'll see you on the other side. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. We are back. We hope you are well. Um, and there is only a little bit of football to recap this week. Mm. It was, of course the much-anticipated FA Cup replays. Um, Ivan Tony made his return as Wolves lost 3-2 to Brentford. Um, Nelson Semedo, Fraser and Cunha getting the winner in extra time. Neil Mopai scoring his, um, well, a goal, (laughs) which uh, very rarely happens. Luton beat Bolton 2-1. Birmingham beat City 2-1. But the big story was Bristol City Mm. beating West Ham 1-0 huge missed opportunity for West Ham. I know the fans are very, very angry that that yet another year without a cup run. Um, Elsewhere, Nottingham Forest made super hard work down at Bloomfield Road as they squeaked past Blackpool 3-2 with a 110th winner from Chris Wood. And then finally, Everton, there was finally a goal, 180 minutes of football and Everton won 1-0 from Andre Gomez. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, It was a great goal. But Everton finally got the win. They are through to the next round. Um, Bristol City, absolutely incredible result for them. West Mm -hmm. Ham fuming. Um, Adam, what happened in the Supercoppa? And we had a bit of Serie A. 
We did have some Serie A, so I'll start off with that because on Monday night, as we were finishing our live stream, it was confirmed Atalanta beating Frosinone 5-0, which puts Frosinone in a bit of a pickle, I would say, Rory. And uh, Di Eusebio Francesco is uh, a bit in trouble, I would say, at the moment with his job. I don't know if he lasts there any sooner, but we will see in the coming few days. Um, but the main one, obviously, the talking point was Juventus beating Sassuolo 3-0. Some fantastic goals from Dusan Flavic, who looks like the prime Dusan Flavic with that confidence. In particular, his second, which is the free kick, the kind of combination of curve as well as power because it hits the underside of the crossbar and bounces over the line it was a superb hit I mean there was a lot of Juventus players on the pitch just amazed by that quality it has to be said mm-hmm. and Cosili really did struggle in this match I mean there was a few saves that he's he was not flapping great, at he's it not a great, great goalkeeper no unfortunately not so in contrast typical as a swallow they're a bit like Jekyll and Hyde some weeks they do really well next weeks they are absolutely terrible despite the best efforts of Dominico Baradi as well he had a few shots from distance Chesney had to be quite wise to a few um, but Yilmaz again oh no sorry Chiesa Chiesa was the one that Chiesa. scored the third, but Yilmaz also had some contribution in this match. He looked lively. And Rory, it has to be said, this is scary, but Juventus have a favourable run-in at the moment, and it sets them nicely for that match against Inter in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Whereas Inter, obviously, they've got this super copper to deal with tonight, if you're listening to us on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they face Lazio in the Super Coppa, and then they have to take on Fiorentina before they face Juventus as well. So it's all lining up for Juventus at this moment in time. Are you kind of worried about how this might transition after the intermatch if they win or draw? Like I think Juve, like we've said a million times, they've got an advantage because they're only in one competition, really. So I think Inter know this and they know that they're fighting against a well-rested beast. Um, but I do still think, I do still think that Inter have got that cutthroat, um, swashbuckling, more pirate yeah. adjectives um, about them to get some results. Um, so I think I'm still, still yeah. confident, still confident that they can fight off the, the evil forces. Um, but we will see that into yes. that Juve Inter game. It's it's huge. It's on the horizon. Yeah. It's on the horizon. I suspect we'll be talking about it a lot more. But tonight, Rory, we did see the first Supercoppa Italia tie, which was played in Saudi. We'll talk about Supercoppa mm-hmm. in a minute. But Napoli have won. They've won three nil against Fiorentina. It's uh, some well-taken goals by Zerbin as well as Simeone in the first half, but Icone missed a penalty on the 44th yeah. minute for Fiorentina. Icone has been terrible, unfortunately, Rory. Yeah. He's been absolutely awful, and he's not really shown that promise from Lille since he's had that transfer to Fiorentina. But we have to talk about Supercoppa because briefly... This competition has been revamped under the FIGC. Obviously, it would be just a one-off match like the Charity Shield, but they've tried to make it more appealing and appeal to the masses. Now, there is a good retweet by myself that shows a picture, and in Italian, it basically says, this was in vain of trying to promote the game. And you can see probably less than, I'm guessing here, less than 5,000 are in that stadium, and it's not a pretty sight. Um Rory, where do you stand on this kind of, you know, tournament or 
set of games being played abroad just to help boost the finances of the Italian game or FIGC in this equation anyway? I think like the FIGC, they need the money, so I can understand yeah. why they've done it, and I can understand why if if a comp- if a country approaches you and goes, "We'll give you forty million or whatever it is to play three games," yeah, cool, fine, yeah, right? Exactly. I can understand their motivations. We know they have no morals, so we can understand their 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 motivations. I just think it's really like I just feel, and it's I know the fucking world's smallest violin, <laughs> but I feel really bad for the players because you travel all this fucking way to play games you don't want to play. Really, you just want the final to then walk out in an mm. empty stadium and just say, "What are we doing here? Like yeah. what? What are we doing here?" Like I just think, look, with all the news and stuff that's coming out about Saudi Arabia and all the players apparently cannot wait to fucking jump deck. <laughs> Like maybe the, the 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 whatever his name is MSN or whatever his name is needs to accept that the com- the country aren't that into football. They're yeah. just not that into it. They just they take it or leave it. You know the national team they go mad for, but the club teams not really that bothered about. It. So I think we can see that it's not a um uh oh god viable yes market at the moment they're just spending no. money and getting nothing back so i think yeah i couldn't honestly as long as it doesn't happen in the premier league and the premier league don't start expanding the community <laughs> shield now i i just think it's ridiculous because spain do the same thing don't they it just seems yeah, like Delray, yeah. countries that can't get any money desperately trying to get money and that's what yeah. happens right I don't exactly know. I just... they're trying to compete against the premier league rory that's the problem so yeah. they're doing as much as possible um, unfortunately, I don't see Serie A being the most played like league in Saudi Arabia. I don't f- get that feeling. I mean, they probably know one or two stars, uh, hence why the likes of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and even yeah. Politano has been linked with a move to Saudi right now. Um, but <laughs> yeah. what? You know, I, even Osman speculated, he spoke about it, didn't he, in an interview. He said he was offered the opportunity in the summer to leave Napoli but he didn't feel comfortable with it because they were offering He got very angry about money. it as well when yeah. someone accused him of going. He got very angry, yeah. as he as he often as does, he does on social yeah. media. But he got very angry about it, um, which I liked. I was like, yes, Victor. Like someone with a bit of backbone, um, which was nice. But, you know, <laughs> you know, Jordan Henderson, equally as respectable. Yeah. Can I just, I just very quickly have to say this. God. He's managed to redeem it. He's managed somehow <laughs> to redeem this situation, and I could not see it happening by not earning a single penny. He sold his morals for yep. not a single penny. And I'll tell you what, Jordan, that is impressive. And forever, I will chuckle lightly whenever I hear your name, except when you inevitably play in midfield for fucking England in the Euros <laughs> in the summer, because now you're in a better league, so you're definitely going to play. Yeah, that that's... Shocking, but I'll tell you what was more cringe. It was the uh, welcoming video from Ajax. Um, you know, they had. Oh, I've not seen it yet. I've not seen it I yet. I won't spoil it for you then. I will not spoil it for you, but okay. all I will say is pretty cringe because it's. Compar- oh, I can't wait. It's compar- the first thing I'm doing when I finish this. Comparing his number with someone that used to play for the club. That's all I'm going to say. So oh. we'll leave it at that. So, um, oh, God. Rory, I can't wait. Rory, I can't we'll wait. move on, though, because we have got some Serie A fixtures this weekend as well. So let's do let's it. Let's talk about it. It is a bit reduced given this context of Supercoppa Italia playing in Saudi. So we haven't got a huge lineup, but let me go through it. So Saturday, we are reduced to two matches. At 5pm, we have got, as you alluded to earlier, 
Roma taking on Hellas Verona. And then in late kickoff in Udine, 7.45, we've got Udinese taking on AC Milan. So that's probably, I would say, probably the juiciest of the games draw. that weekend. But yes, put your money on the draw. draw. And I'm hoping to see actually Lorenzo Luca, who I, I really do like. The yeah. I think he is starting to pick up his game more recently. So I'd love to see how he could do it against a better defence. Anyway, there is a relegation six-pointer here, Rory, on Sunday at 11.30 on Sunday. If you can get yourself to watch this, Frozenona taking on Calgary. So huge battle there, huge opportunity for both sides to get some much-needed points there. Um, but then we move into the 2 p.m. fixture. No, sorry, quickly, on, the on, last on. time these two played was absolutely box office. Calgary won in the 97th and 99th minute from Pavaletti or whatever. Incredible, yes, course, incredible yes. game. That was the 4-3. So you yes, have to check this incredible. one out. Yes, this is revenge for Frosinone. Maybe, we'll see. Uh, 2 p.m., we have got Empoli taking on Monza. And then at 5 p.m., Salernitana, who have recently boosted their squad with Basic from Lazio. They'll be taking on Genoa. And at 7.45, we have got Lecce at home to Juventus. So I'm hoping that Lecce potato pitch might play a part in maybe maybe something going on. Maybe <laughs> maybe a victory for Lecce. I'm just fingers crossed here. I don't know. We'll see, Rory. But so yeah, we Take can only some Premier League fixtures, Rory. We can only hope there's no way I can shout die Lecce in this house because I'm sleeping <laughs> on the sofa. So I need to go for an also reduced program in the Premier League. And Adam, I've taken two weeks off. It's been so nice. It's been so nice. Arsenal haven't existed for two weeks. I've not listened to a single podcast. They haven't lost a game. Just, <laughs> and we've not lost. It's been fantastic. And now we are the early kickoff on a Saturday and I'm shitting myself because the early kickoff is always bloody horrible. But we have Arsenal taking on Crystal Palace. Um, half past 12 kickoff in the UK. Arsenal just please win. We've been linked to Michael Olise this week and that now makes me think he's going to score against us. Um, later on the Saturday, we've only got two games on Saturday, bloody hell. Um, Brentford hosting Nottingham Forest. This is the return of Ivan Tony. I realise he didn't play in the FA Cup. I've just seen him everywhere on social media this week and assumed he'd already yeah. played. But he will be returning Interesting this weekend. Interesting comments, weren't they, Rory? He's uh, advertised himself to big clubs again. Do you think Brentford fans like him? I think they're pissed off with him right now. I think, look, I'd be I, fuming with right him. now. I know of one across the road, and he's like, I've been waiting for him to come back into squad. Now I haven't asked him what his feelings are about his recent comments, but I'm assuming he's going to be quite pissed off because it's not the first time he's done this. And it just doesn't feel like a kind of sense of loyalty to the player or from the player to the fans anyway, because that was horrendous what he actually came out yeah. with. Absolutely ill-timed. Again, it feels like his agent, but I feel like clubs like Newcastle, etc., have kind of learned that he is this bit of a cunt sometimes. He just thinks he's bit bigger than he actually is sometimes as well. Yeah. And that's why he's playing for Brentford and no one bigger potentially. So it would be interesting to see if that deters a lot of the bigger clubs now. It doesn't make me want him at Arsenal, I'll be honest. It doesn't make me like, because mm. if we just have one bad season, are you going to be flitting your eyelids at Chelsea or City? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, it doesn't really make me want him. But anyway, um, yeah. also the video resurfaced of him on that girl's Instagram where yes. he was like, fuck Brentford yeah. or whatever. Jesus yeah. Christ. Anyway, um, so that'll be an interesting one. Um, Sheffield United taking on West Ham in that derby of the the, the Tevez derby, yes. I think it's now named. Um, a lot of, lot of venom in that game. Um, 
on the Sunday. Yeah. And then we have Bournemouth taking on Liverpool. The tricky tie there for Liverpool away to Bournemouth having an incredible, incredible season. But I think Liverpool will probably get the job done. But Bournemouth gave them a bit of a run at Anfield. Um, and then the last game on Monday evening, we have Brighton taking on Wolves. I quite like that as a hipster's choice. Mm. And I'm also really excited. I hope um, Badcourt arrives at some point. I think it's been confirmed, but I'm waiting for him to arrive. Yeah, I've not heard too much, but I believe he might be in a settling phase because of Brighton aren't those kind of teams that kind of rush out these signatures and players mm. to then get into the first team squad. But it'd be fascinating if he suddenly does, because obviously he's an FM legend, isn't he, Rory? So, yeah, yeah let's see. Absolutely love him. He's killing let's it see. on my Arsenal save. So really, really <laughs> excited to see how he does. Um, but guys, that is the weekend action. Um, the low, the the latest guests at the next door, uh, the Airbnb flat next door have just knocked on the wall. Uh, so... There's another group of people I've pissed off. They're definitely having a party, so it can't be a good party. But we are going to go for a quick break. And when I come back, I might be talking a little bit quieter. We will see you there. And we are back. It's time for Tiki Taka Toe. And this week it will be me taking on Adam. Um, <laughs> shock. And we will, this week, last week we did Serie A and I absolutely embarrassed myself. So we've decided to <laughs> alternate. And this week we're doing Premier League because my ego is too fragile. So this week we're doing Premier League and I'm going to let Adam go first. Now quickly, I'll describe the grid uh, for yes. people who are listening. We have the options of along the top, Crystal Palace, Manchester United, and West Ham. Along the sides, we have Italy, the Netherlands, and Brazil. Nice. I'm liking the look of this grid, Adam. What are we think? Yes, it's quite interesting. I'm trying to work out certain squares just in case we have to kind of block each other or whatever next. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I am going to go. Is, is it going to be my go to start off with, by the way? Go, you start. You start. Kick us All off. Right. I am going to go with. Crystal Palace and Italy, and I'm going to go for that bold legends, the bold eagle himself, Lombardo, Attilio Lombardo. I was going to say Attilio Lombardo. <laughs> I had it in my back pocket. Oh, okay, go then. I'm going to block you off with Manchester United and Italy with Federico Maceda. Maceda, oh, Federico Maceda, nice. right. I'm going to go here, though. I'm going to go for Yap Stam. Yep, Yap Stam. The big Dutch man. I can't remember the rest of it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to block you off with West Ham Brazil. I'm definitely playing Catanacho here. I'm just blocking your runs. Um, with West Ham and Brazil with Felipe Anderson. Ooh, Felipe Anderson. Then he blocks me off. Okay, Rory. I've got to rethink this one then through, and I will go here. So West Ham and Italy, and I will go for Skamaka. And he's there. Oh, I can't bloody! I've just been too defensive here. Okay, I'm gonna go now. This is a bit of a risk. Yeah. I can't remember if you play for West Ham or Wimbledon. This is risky. West Ham and Dutch. West Ham and Netherlands. 
think he just played for Wimbledon, but I'm going to risk it. Hans Boogers? West Ham and uh, Netherlands. Boogers? Is it Hans Boogers? Hans Boogers. It's Marco Boogers, if that's the one. Marco Is that Boogers. the one you're thinking of? Yeah. That looks Italian, doesn't it? Now? And he's correct. Oh. Well done. <clears throat> so, there is a few question marks for me. What do I do? Do I completely block you off? Because there is a few options that I could go with Man United and Brazil. Um, Chris of Palace and Dutch. Now, there is a few that I can think of. Um, my real question mark is Brazil and Crystal Palace. Yeah, that is. I a cannot trick. Brazil think of anyone obvious that springs to mind, Rory. I can't. I can't think of it. Um. Oh, that's a difficult one. I don't think we're going to win it. I think this is going to end up as a draw, personally. I need Palace and Brazil. Palace and Brazil. Now, there must be one, otherwise the grid wouldn't work. So I need to think. Palace and Brazil. Let's think of a bang average Brazilian that was in the Premier League. Jorelio <laughs> um, Gomez keeps coming into my head, but he played for Watford, not Palace. Um... I'll edit all this out. I'm going to have to genuinely sit and think about it. I can only think that like someone went on loan there, so I'm just going to say, who was that terrible Brazilian that United had? Um, what was his fucking name? Began with P. What was his fucking name? Oh, sod it. Um, United and Brazilian. I'm going to go for Anderson. Anderson, okay. Cool. You could have had Fred, perhaps. Fred uh, as well. Because they've had some yeah. bang average Brazilians, haven't they, United? Yeah. Uh, just trying to find the right Anderson. Correct. Now... I think I found a Brazilian that may have played for Crystal Palace. I'm going to give it a go, Rory. When you say found, did you Google it? <laughs> I fit, well, thought of, but this doesn't, this doesn't, this might be a really bad hunch in that aspect, but I think he technically classifies. He used to play, if I remember rightly, for Fulham and Arsenal through the youth teams. Uh, what was his name? Andre Moritz, I think was how he pronounced it. Ooh. Yes, I've won. What? That is Andre incredible Moritz. skill. And... That was incredible. That so, is, uh, you know what? <laughs> I need to get better at this game. I've been done by Bologna and Lecce in a Brazilian <laughs> at Crystal Palace. He must be the only Brazilian that's ever played for Crystal Palace. We've got to look it up. I think that's for another episode of the we'll podcast. We'll get back someday. to you on that one, listeners and viewers. <laughs> we'll get back to you on that one. 
But guys, thank you very, very much for joining us as always. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Anglo Italian Pod. Hit the like and subscribe button down here. Give us a follow on TikTok. We're aiming to be able to do TikTok lives and we need you. Yes, we do. There we go. Um, Adam, anything <laughs> you would like to say before I send these people home? No, enjoy the weekend of football. Keep yourselves warm if you're in the UK. And uh, we'll see you on Monday night's show. And to end this week's show, it could only be a quote from one man, the great man himself, Jose Mourinho. And it's just simply his last line on Instagram as he left the Eternal City. Sangue, lacrime, amor, eternita. Blood, tears, love, eternity. Thank you, guys. We will see you on Monday for the live stream. Ciao, adopo. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.